fears of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! Tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. What's up, everybody? It is Tuesday, May 8th, 2012, episode 116, the year of our Lord. Hotboxpodcast.com. I'm Matt. My name's Ian. And this is our show. We missed you guys on Sunday, so we figured, hey, we have a little time right now. We're going to do a makeup episode. I really missed you on Sunday. I missed you on Sunday, buddy. I can't go more than a week without seeing you. It's it's bad for my health. You saw me on Friday. That's true. But I mean to actually see you oh. and, and to talk with you oh. and to record that conversation <laughs> and to put a stupid <laughs> theme song it on, on the it internet. and make it public. Yes. I think that's really important. Uh, if you guys want to call us live about anything we're about to discuss this evening regarding marijuana, cannabis, herb, chronic, reefer, doja, jail, etc., feel free, 406-204-4687. Other than that, follow us on the social networks. That I know you love so much. You can't stop. You can't not go a day and not look at Facebook. So why don't you look at facebook.com slash hotboxpodcast? Why not? You love marijuana. You have to. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this. And if you all go to Google right now. I wonder if anybody listens to our show, not necessarily for the cannabis thing, but just (laughs) because maybe they like our jokes. Well, if if, I'll tell you what. If you go to thejamhole.com, the latest episode up there, it's me and this guy. And you know what? We we went right into the marijuana shit, too, because MDS oh, yeah. called. He's like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the hot box? What the fuck? Yeah, what am I calling? <laughs> what is this? The jam hole? What the you fuck is that You guys are on the shit? air. I know. Right, can't we talk about cannabis? Let's That's talk about weed. I got something to say about that. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, he brought up, and it, it was that article we talked about a couple episodes ago now uh, about the Wall Street Journal. Uh, what was? Can you summarize it real quick? It was basically saying that what if if pot was legalized and they gave all these different criteria of what would happen or something? Yes, something like that. It, it, it was, was so called long the marijuana ago. exception, Thank and you. it was in the Wall Street Journal. It was an article. I I guess um, since we didn't, have I guess to it get was an article. Paper, <laughs> I don't know. Um, there were other articles surrounding this article that. We're all uh, about the war on drugs. And so, providing more context than what we correct. just being online subscribers to Google News right. slash marijuana. Yeah, okay. And so, there was other articles talking about um, um, legalizing drugs on a larger scale. And then there was a site article called The Marijuana Exception. Right. And, so and that's reading, the one we focused on. Correct. And since the Wall Street Journal is a pretty conservative publication, um, there was a. They, I felt that they kind of went out on a limb and said some moderately positive things about cannabis um, as well as some negative nonsense. But I think that uh, uh, myself and MDS, we... And he lives in Florida, let's keep in mind, which is a no-tolerance state. Right. Which is also where federal patient Irvin Rosenfeld is. So that's so no tolerance on one side, but full federal blessings on the other. That's right. nice. Thanks. We're guys. intolerant of everybody but him. Right. Doing this. Um, and a part of the article was saying that uh, by legalizing cannabis, the price would go down and therefore it would create 
um, new casual and heavy users. And I think that where me and MDS differed is I, I didn't necessarily think it would be the cost that would create new users, but it would be the legalization. And he was trying to... Uh, well, and that and was not trying, on... But his point had to do with um, a- economic equations, saying that you know when the, when the price goes down on something, you, you have a little bit more demand for that item. But right. I think that if people want to... I, I feel that if people want to use cannabis, they're using it anyway regardless of the cost now if it was cheaper they would just use more of it maybe or mm-hmm. have more money to spend on booze or yep. or gas well, and we or have that cigarettes inside perspective or diapers we talk or to a lot of people and they're from their mouths i started smoking pot because it became legal for me mm-hmm. yeah and i've and heard so that we as have well. that and he doesn't have that and it was nice to have his perception on Absolutely. it coming from he started out as a jam hole listener and he likes the hot box and he listens to all our shows and to have his perspective he's a really smart guy and he, yeah no absolutely know, he like keeps up on that stuff yeah. and then he yeah so I, I like that and and definitely if you guys i mean if if we say something that is off or that you disagree with we want to foster i will go out of my way to say something completely fucked up just to foster some sort of discussion and see you know? i do that automatically. disagree with me i do that automatically that's right. Justin Fan Blue in the chat says, "Let's just stop arresting pot smokers." I mean, can we do that? Right? Can, can we just? I mean, that's a good first step. Just for know? a sec, just like, for a day. Can we do know? that for a day? How many pot smokers would not be arrested if they stopped for a day? Eight hundred fifty thousand were arrested last year. Oh, a year. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Calculator. Eight hundred and. I'm gonna guess a few hundred, right? Divided by three sixty. So we would. If we stopped arresting marijuana smokers for one day, one day, twenty three hundred and twenty eight people would not go to jail. Oh my god, twenty three hundred. Is that people an appallingly would, high number? Right, every day, twenty three hundred marijuana users. That's the are population going to jail. of some of our towns here. Yeah. Every day, just wiping out ghost towns. Yeah. Wow. Well, you can't wipe out a ghost town. Right. I mean, creating create ghost, a towns. ghost town. Right. 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 It's like yeah. kicking a town while it's down. Fuck. But like, and and so, how long has that been going on for? Since the eighties, and uh, granted, the numbers, it, yeah, the it, numbers haven't, haven't the same, increased, but right? But around the there, war on drugs really got that's so many in people. full motion in the eighties. So but many it started people, in the 70s. dude. Mm-hmm. And have we seen a benefit from that? I mean, are we cool? Um, I know a lot I, of people that have relative. seen negative. Well, sure, if you're the DEA getting raises yeah, or, and salaries, or sure. if you are someone that that thinks that drug users should be arrested then yeah honestly can you honestly tell me that there are people in this world still that think that way yes there are people in this world that still think that way absolutely what the fuck are we doing because we're gonna sell to their kids or like i don't is that just carried over that no, they just I, haven't evolved, or I, I, I think don't understand. A, that. I, I, I would say that there's a lot of reasons why people still feel that way. Uh, uh, misled personal experiences, um, exaggerated stories yep. from the neighbors. I heard from a friend, or yeah, yeah okay. my neighbor's son, you know, uh, got addicted to marijuana, and now he's, you know, do you doesn't have feel a job like doing and he's this worthless, show? and it's all cannabis's fault, right? Right, because the drug counselor said so, right? Or they they just assume, you know, and like we live in America, which is a, a is a blame society. Mm-hmm. You know, we it can't we be, blame. Yeah. We, we blame have. 
everything on something else except for ourselves. And other people will take, um, they'll negate accountability for you. They're Absolutely. Not gonna, they're not going to blame you. It's they're going to blame mentality. Your, yeah, they're going to blame your habit. They're going to blame yep. your your use of a substance instead of saying that you're just a lazy piece of shit right, and you're right. not ever going to do anything ever. Yep. And if you lived in a tribe, you'd starve to death. So luckily you do live in America where your neighbors still will think you're an all right person if you Stop smoking that wacky tobacco. Your life would come together. You would all of a sudden a, a six-year college degree would pop out of your ass. You'd be successful, married with two kids. If you could just stop, I would love pot. to run over to their house with a degree just covered in shit and be like, "Oh my god, it happened! You were right. It happened. Thank you. I'm so glad I stopped smoking pot." Three days later, I took a dump, and what do you know? It's a BS in the arts. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Um, but then you have groups like the Safe Commie Mommies, a.k.a. the Safe Community Safe Kids. And if you go to hotboxpodcast.com slash YouTube and look at one of the first videos, we as the Hotbox uploaded. It was Sandy, the girl that we started. I started the show with. She addressed the Safe Commie Mommies point by point and was like, here's why you're wrong and here's why you're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. Oh, and the people that you have on your video talking about this stuff, they have no creds. They have right. no credentials at all. You have a guy they're from the auto lines. store. You have the guy from Walmart. And they're saying, uh, studies show in our research that this is... Yeah. Like, what? Some of those guys kind of like this. Kind of like the Hey, teletask. Billings, how's your heroin problem? Right. Oh, okay. You want to focus on this. But you have such a wicked dump of a town because of your heroin problem how about you focus on that could you do that i don't know you have the 40 days for life people protesting for abortion in front of a doctor's office which i've talked to that doctor and the last thing she does there is abortions she's a doctor first right and it's so ironic that you have the elderly protesting a doctor's i laugh at that inside every time i say it's you're old and you're protesting the what? <laughs> that is stupid. And they've been doing that. I've been keeping track. 200, 320 days now. 40 days for lifetimes. Eight times they've done it? They've been out there so many times. It's been years. And what has changed? Nothing. If they wanted to really make a change instead of just showing themselves out there like, look at us, we're higher, mighty, and holier than thou, and smug, and our farts smell awesome, they would be out there adopting kids and saving lives. Right. They're not. Oh, but... That all. would actually take work. Oh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Much more work than just standing out there after having a Subway sandwich and having a diet soda. Yep. And, and bowing and, your head in prayer. Right. How's that working out? Right. I'm going to go to bars and knock girls up just to encourage more abortions, just because I don't like you. Ooh. And then you have them, like, be an elder, be an eater here on the Safe Commie Mommies uh, Facebook page that do uh, what we like to call the armchair activism. And they'll just like this post. Hey, I like this. Yeah. I like this a lot. I like that. Do you even know what that is? Do you know what you're liking? Or did you just see that somebody from your friends list liked it and you're like, oh, well, okay. There's two people that like that? One. I thought, yeah, see, so he didn't even have a friend uh, that liked it. It was just and the I, and really, You were probably the one that posted it. Right? I really Come like on. the the... Kami uh, Mommy's Facebook page because it's really fascinating. Um, I mean, they're they're so active, 
in what they're doing. Like if you look at the their Do you site, think the Kami mommies one, are funded by heroin? Two. They have Ugh. three posts this year. <laughs> 265 likes. Okay. Right. Wow, that's it. How dismal. That's really dismal. And then and if you like think about it, is- safe community, safe kids. They they broke out the old whenever anything goes wrong and you can't legislate it. Stop the child porn. Right. We're about two two bills that get vetoed in the house away from that for SOPA, PIPA, CISPA. The next one, I guarantee they're going to come out and be like, child porn. Yeah. Knocks it out of the park. Go! And, Go! And, that's, and they take it's their just victory a big, lap and then that's it. It's just a big farce as well. I mean, child, I mean, you have to like, I'm... That's like the dark phantom in the closet of the internet culture. You know what I mean? That's like um, um, the, the the. I hate how that comes up in a discussion. Like it's like it's so paramount when really that's like one of the, in my opinion, one of the smaller issues to do with the internet because it's not widespread. I'm not looking through Google News no. and get a child porn pop up. No, no, you know what I mean. That is something not- you have to. Actively fine. I've been on some shady fucking sites getting some shady fucking software, like for illegal, yeah. allegedly stuff. And I don't even find that stuff. Like, no, it's, I, it's not what they make it out to be. And these are people that have never ventured to maybe that side of the internet, so they don't know. Right. It's automatically going to become whatever they tell you it is. Yeah, and absolutely. that moving forward is truth. Absolutely. Which is not, but in their reality it is. And you that's know, dangerous, right? I wonder if it'd be funny if, if you went at it with the other angle. Like, what if you, instead of saying child pornography, what if you said, like, granny pornography? Like, and we're, <laughs> and we're disrespecting our elders. Okay, Tosh. You know, we're disrespecting yeah, yeah. our elders. And, and this elderly porn, if you're over 80 years old, you know, we should... They're on fixed income, though, man. What, you, would you rather them sell their pills or do porn? I'd rather them sell their pills. But that's me. But yeah, I mean, I get what, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But you know, like, I, it just seems so like they're grabbing at straws. You know, like when 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 something doesn't go their way, uh, in both ways too. You know, if it's not going your way, it's like, oh my god, we need to stop this child pornography, or or it's for the children. You know, we use we use our children as meat shields, or or you know, long should you lances. as a parent feel positive about that move? No, at all, right? You should feel no, like but the we lowest. We live in this blaming society, and and you know it's, we don't have to take accountability for anything. We can blame it on the kids or use the kids as support. You know, we don't have to. I say almost it's feel like I want to have a kid just so that I have, uh, just so I can level out this battleground. We don't have kids to be like, oh, it's for the kids, but and, they do. And that is that is one is thing that fucked up that. You know, maybe we are a little biased because we don't have children, and so you know. Uh, feeling there's a lot of emotions that develop once you have a child. You know, I think that I think that you yeah. know you always hear a parent say, "Well, you, if you don't have kids, you don't understand," which is very true with a lot of things. I, I I'm don't starting doubt. to kind of. I mean, the girl I started dating a, a couple months ago it was actually our two month anniversary last weekend, and she has kids. I know, right? <laughs> Lucky she has girl. Kids. I know. Yeah. It was our two month anniversary this weekend, last week, I last weekend, Sometime Saturday at eight thirty like p.m. Right, while I was doing the hot box. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, she has kids and I I kind of started getting that perspective that like, you know, it would be so easy to exploit that 
their innocence and everything that comes along with being a kid to push either political gain, business, whatever. And, and that, like, if you do that and you sleep okay at night, you should fucking kill yourself because you're a terrible person. Yeah. Like, and it's really interesting, too, if you think about it, because when you're a child, you know, most of these things that are being legislated with using your young mind it's as a meat It's not even a part shield. of your reality, Yeah, it's, dude. it's, it's you usually... You don't fuck one where you're worried about SpongeBob. I mean, what do you... And, and you can... you. This is illustrated when you talk to people about, you know, people will say, you know, we need to get America back to when it was great. You know, when I was when I was 12 years old, America was the best country back in the world. Back before you and guys it's made... it's so true because yeah. you're so... Con- you're consciously unaware of so many things that... that you know, when you're younger, you are in exploration. You're in exploration mode when you're right. younger. You, everything is a new discovery, and right. so you're constantly. That's you know, and and I don't know how many. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how many people actually really worry about voting in the first place. But let sure. alone younger kids. You know, like it's just. You know, if it doesn't have to do with Matchbox cars and, and I thought you were going to say Matchbox twenty. <laughs> wow, well, that's probably a good one too. For all I know, <laughs> nice. I don't. But uh, um, you know, what a shame to use uh, use your kids to uh, politically push your agenda forward. When really, when people start to talk about it's for the children or save the kids or whatever, it has nothing to do with the children at all. Nothing at all. And it, and it and it doesn't. And have you know any what effect on them in general anyway? It's just that punchline, right? And if you, as a parent, let your child somehow—I don't know how it happens, if it happens when it happens—if you allow them to get exploited by a child pornographer, you should kill yourself because you're a terrible fucking parent. Like, how does yeah. that happen? Yeah, uh, easily, somebody has apparently. to be like, "Hey, I'll sell you these pictures." Hmm? <laughs> like th- how th- somebody doesn't just like find a camera and be like, "Wow, that is a good-looking eight-year-old." I'm right. going to build a website for him. Like right. th- it doesn't happen that way. And so to, I think almost, <laughs> I think that by these people pushing that as legislation is a testament to their inability to parent their own children. If you need the government, yeah. To- Right, like well, so many people your... do need the government. You know, because think of why? All the... If the government, if every single human being on the planet had kids, then maybe okay. But not all of us do, so maybe the government's not the right. The other one I hate is listen to the children. You know, like it's when it, when someone says it's for the children or listen to the children, and and anyone that says that, you can almost guarantee that they do not listen. To right, the children. it's you can and almost go are the opposite not of aware what? Yep. of, yep. and so they're they're like exclaiming that someone should pay attention to the children and and this seems like a good idea because if we were to actually listen to the children you know the first thing that's going to come to a head is our education system because yeah how many kids like school not very many how how many kids dreams for what they wanted to be and explore as a child are completely destroyed in school most most, if not all. Yeah. Which is crazy because that's kind of the opposite of what you should. You should find what these kids are into and go after that and push them towards that. Not be like, yeah, that's cool, but that's probably never going to happen. So you better learn how to flip birds. Like, flip birds? Flip birds. Burgers, birds, or birds. Either way. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's ridiculous. Um, let's shift gears a minute. Uh, someone in the chat mentioned, and we had a piece from Helena, and it's, I hate these kinds of pieces 
I mean, it's truthful. Money is tight. The MTCIA needs money. But, like, to put it... The money wouldn't even be an issue if there wasn't this lawsuit, which wouldn't be an issue if you, as a state, would have done what you said you were going to do. So, in essence... Think of how much money has been spent on the lawsuit to date. Probably 200000 What could that have done? And we've talked about that. I feel like we're repeating ourselves every we time we do. This. Where else could that money have gone? Uh, I can think of several places. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Seriously. Uh, Montana Cannabis Industry Association Prez Chris Lindsay said Monday that the organization has no plans to drop the case and there's enough money to see it through a Supreme Court hearing later this month. But the group needs medical marijuana providers to increase their support, he said. Quote, we wanted to emphasize to the folks benefiting from the lawsuit that there is no free lunch. Those who remain, who we support 100%, there is a price tag associated with keeping them operating. Mm. And he probably gets this a lot, and I I gave it to him a little bit. I was talking to him on Facebook, and I was like, you know, you're a lawyer. Like, I, because I do a lot of stuff in the tech world with podcasts and reporting, I, I'm exposed to a lot of these numbers and these lawsuits and stuff. And I was like, you know, I have it in my mind that all lawyers are rich and that why aren't you helping this more? And I'm like, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick, but like, why aren't you funding this? And he said, you know, I hear that a lot and I'm kind of glad you asked. And he made it clear that like, even if you're a lawyer, you spent a lot of money to go to school and not all of them maybe have that all paid off. And are in more debt than the majority of us. So I understand that. And that sucks for sure. And, you know, if if you do benefit from this, you should be pitching in on it. Absolutely. It's a group effort, definitely. Um, any of the remaining dispensaries that are still open for business locally around the valley here. They're dwindling quickly. Isn't that A couple sad? more have shut down the last two weeks. That's two of so them. so fucked. Um, another place next week is What are last... people doing? Well, I don't know. That's crazy. I, I actually, I, I do not know, which is kind Increasing of Increasing the unemployment Because I don't numbers? really talk to, to people that aren't my patients. You know, like I don't really inquire. Justin Van Blue says it's capitalism through prosecution. I or like was that, that. prostitution? Uh, it was misspelled either way. But yeah, it, it is, right? Like it, it's the same way that, you know, these, the MPA and the RIA, rather than, you know, change business models, they'll just legislate it to death. Yeah. Like we're yeah. seeing that here and it's crazy. Because it shouldn't be. Uh, if, if you didn't know, the Montana Cannabis Industry Association, the MTCIA, is challenging the 2011 law that forbids the commercial sale of medical marijuana, makes it tougher to register as a user, and imposes more regulations over doctors who recommend patients for the state registry. And because of this new law, I think our cardholder number is down to 11,000, and that's from 30,000. I almost left a snide comment on the group on Facebook because they're like, hey, if you're in Billings, we're doing renewals here. I was like, is anybody doing renewal? I didn't, though. I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to be the, that, mm-hmm. one, that guy. But, like, nobody's renewing their cards, right? 
No, because and where are they the price go? went up, and and oh, some of the doctors that? are on Facebook. Are... The people that sent in their ten dollar uh, renewal registration got sent back, and they said, "Oh, it's twenty five dollars now," even though that's not supposed to start for like another month or something. Or maybe their card was expired, or maybe they got it in late. Maybe or... that's a good point. I didn't think of that. There's a lot of there's I just a lot saw of it real co- quick and was yeah, like, "Oh, there's a lot of cool dink <laughs> things, you yeah. know, like oh, my card expires on the ninth. Okay, well, I put it in the mail on the eighth. So they'll count the postmark date, well, right? That's your poor point. No. And you never know how long it's going to take them to actually open up the letter. And I, it could be that they just wanted to change their minds on it. I'm or imagining whatever. something and out of the It wouldn't surprise proxy. me because now that there's so many fewer people renewing their cards, they're not making as much money. And so they're going to raise the fees. So but they whose can fault is that? Theirs. You could have had as much fucking money as you actually, wanted. Actually, correction. It's not the Department of Health and Human no, Services. No, that's true. They it's have not their fault. Been, they have their rules or their orders. I, they've been exceptional. Um, as far as, as I, I know when I call down there for any sort of, uh, issues or things, they're always resolved. Um, they've been more than helpful. And if anything, they have been not negative, you know, they, right. they it's haven't, not, they're they doing haven't attacked they're, us at all. They've they're been doing, doing, what doing they're their t- jobs exactly. and it's the people above them and above right. them and above them. It's mainly the feds, isn't it? I feel like the state and some it, elected officials and some feds because it and the it just seems mommies. that and the commie mommies, and the commie all mommies, six of those them bitches um, all, it just seems to me that, that the feds kind of got invited in you know when yeah, when they did the, that first initial uh, set of raids happened yep. that was the day that they were supposed to vote on the repeal law yep. and so it just seems so theatrical that we get raided on the day that they're supposed to vote on this yep. and it's you know it just kind of seems like a big charade a completely planned out yeah. charade Mm-hmm. Completely. Um, I just thought this was this is going to uh, take us back one subject, but I just Please. thought it was in, kind of interesting. So the United States' education system, mm-hmm. um, uh, for reading, we are 14th <coughs> in the world. For math, wow, we are. Are we proud 25th. of that? 25th. Are we proud of that? And for science, we are 17th rated Jesus. in the world. And so we um, should be in the top three of every single one of those. There's no fucking reason why we're not. Well, there's a bunch of reasons. Well, yeah, but there's no good reason. No. Uh, That's disgusting. South Korea, Finland, Canada has exceptional schooling. They're third. Shit. Uh, In reading, I guess. If you have kids, move to Canada, right? Fifth in math. And fifth in science. But but that Finland, is unacceptable levels in this country where we like to pretend like we're the top dog in every pretend. aspect of life. Pretend. Well, we have a pretty badass military. I wouldn't fuck with us. But well, like in ev- like Right. But let's not do a spelling bee challenge because then we're I know, fucked. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no. We're just going to nuke you if we lose. Like, right. Fuck like, it. <laughs> yeah, we'll outshoot yeah. you and outfly yeah. <laughs> you and tank you and all this other aggressive things but when it comes to intellectual like we don't need to be smart we just need to be tough i heard on the uh, the oh yeah dude podcast latest episode they were talking about this study about people that come back from war their driving habits are like complete their their percentages are completely above and beyond any normal person for driving erratically running red lights um just because of when you're over there, I guess I've never been there. I, you know, I just know what I see. And like your driving is, you're not stopping at stoplights. You're not right. Oh, like it's a complete. And so they have that when they come back here, and they're just like destroying shit. Right. And, and that's like, that's a lot of 
our strong generation, right? Like, though, we have a lot of crazy people that are our age and younger coming back from that war that are not the same. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. Well, I think anytime you travel uh, outside of the American borders for any amount of time, you outside come back of the comfort zone. Yeah, I think you. Yeah. I think that you gain. But then some to experience add what there. they were doing, and every pothole you come into contact right. with might have an IED in it. I mean, right. it's just you're on a whole other level of like hyper awareness and mm-hmm. constantly like fight or flight, fight or flight, fight. Like that's well, fight. Fight. For the military. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's not really exactly. a issue flight. Yeah, flight. exactly. And so, the, I don't know, man, to, to reacquaint them with society. Like, I can't imagine what those guys must go through. And then to have PTSD and, say, hypothetically not be able to get your weed that or whatever it is that helps And that. having, you know... And get kicked out of your home. I mean, we've... And being discriminated again. against sorry, because... But. You know, a lot of people don't agree that there is something called PTSD. You know, they th- they think it's a kind of a, a snake oil kind of thing. Eyes, though, like there's maybe well, it's not PTSD, but there's that, something I don't know. different. I there. haven't really spoken with any military. Really? Men. I've just had a few I friends haven't. that have come back, like and and even just seeing their pictures on Facebook, not even talking to them in person, but that is like. Yeah, there's something different. I haven't. I I don't have any experiences, personal experiences to draw from to make any yeah. sort of opinion about that. But I, I honestly, I I can. You can make a common sense guess at that. Well, that's no, kind of I'm the, just saying no, that if if in if a military person feels that that's that they have a condition or something like that, then if it's real to them, it's real. If 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 that person knows without a doubt that they are suffering from that that uh, disorder, then that's real to them. And yep. I and I don't have the right to say, oh, you're just stressed or sure. oh, you're just some of this whatever. Does anybody then? Even no. a doctor? I mean, I mean that's, it's I mean, individual. if you want to talk about psychology yeah, and, yeah. and how that affects, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I'm going to give you a quote. I okay. want you to tell me who said it. I'm not going to be using Justice Department resources to try to circumvent state laws on this medical marijuana issue. Ooh. Uh, who, who is... Who is that? Who is Barack Obama? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Who is Barack Obama? Black. 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 Black and Obama. <laughs> I see so many of those bumpers. We have some hick motherfuckers in oh, this yeah. town. Big yeah. silver nuts hanging on a truck and then a no Obama sticker. Right. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. You guys, best. Um, So he's not going to use any federal uh, resources, right? So what about <laughs> he's going to use the hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's already been spent on this MTCIA lawsuit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So oh, here's a man. here's a some of the federal charges that you get have a mandatory minimum sentence. Like if you get a charge from the federal government, sure. there is a minimum sentence that you must. Yeah, serve. the MMR. And it, yeah. yeah, and in a federal. Uh, Resort, if mm-hmm. you will, um, you have to. You, there's not really an option of parole. You have to. You have to serve about eighty five percent of your sentence at least because of the MMR. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's um, nutty. So you can't parole out early. You know, you can't get a thirty year sentence and parole out in six. You know, you you would have to serve at least eighty five percent of your thirty years. Justin Fence uh, Red says Reagan enacted those. Yeah. The MMRs. No good. Um, so Chris Lindsay, who is a very well-educated, uh, well-spoken yep. um, activist, good guy, uh, too. lawman, um, is a lawyer, not nice an guy. officer, but um, 
I said well-educated, well-spoken, lawyer, uh, all those good things. It's, okay, so yeah. um, he is not a medical marijuana provider. Nope. Um, He's a lawyer. I am not sure if he is a patient or not, I, but I'm going to say no. So anyway, Chris Lindsay, who um, he, he, uh, he's also a husband. He's got a young son. Um, he lives in Missoula here in Montana, and he served as in-house legal counsel for Montana Cannabis, which is Tom DeBear's company. Um, he, he worked there for less than a year. He also left the company um, 14 months before the federal raids in March of 11. Wow. And so this is almost two years ago that he stopped working for Montana Cannabis. Um, he was indicted last week. Just two last week. years wow. after. He was indicted last week on a long list of federal conspiracy, drug, and gun charges. What? Okay, so the guns aren't his. He wasn't a drug dealer. Wait, these guns? uh, I guess, sorry. And as far as conspiracy goes, well, I suppose um, the author of this article says that he's breaking some of those federal... Yes, Caller, you're live on the hotbox. Hey, Matt, it's Chris Lindsay. How are you? Ah, Speak of the devil, Chris. Hey, Chris. How's it going, man? We were just talking about uh, the the whole lawsuit and, and the how you were working and and how this all happened, man. What is going on? You got indicted last week? Yeah, what's not going on is Unbelievable. Um, yeah, tons of stuff. It wasn't last week. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, let's see. So I got uh, charges for um, conspiracy to manufacture and produce, which you and I would call you know, planning. Sure. Uh, there is, uh, there are charges related to, you know, uh, production or growing. Uh, there are charges related to being in possession with intent to distribute, which would be harvesting. Um, there are a bunch of gun charges because apparently when the raids happened, they found lots of guns. Um, now keep in mind that was over a year after I left, but, Right, and we were it talking is. about like the the length of sentencing. Well, and, we hadn't gotten that far yet. And what? We hadn't gotten that far yet. Oh, <laughs> was that pre-show? Yeah, that was pre-show <laughs> awesome. when we were talking about. But that. we we were building up your character case here, <laughs> and then we're we're just going to compare like what is the positive side of putting a gentleman such as yourself in jail for any amount of time, like. It, that just seems so counterproductive to me. Completely counterproductive. Well, understand that this is not about crime. Right. Um, the streets are not safer by me being in prison. At all. Um, this is about politics. Um, the way that I see it is the federal government has only so many resources to throw at this. They really want to take out medical marijuana. So this is their last-ditch um, attempt, then, it seems like, if they're playing those cards. Well, I mean, there's, it, it seems to me that they're, they're going to target two types of operations. They're going to go for the ones that maybe look pretty sketchy. Right, you know, because then they get to talk about compliance with state law, 
and we're really just taking out criminals, taking advantage of a vague system, and you see you guys aren't grown up enough to handle this kind of subject. Right, it makes the whole industry look bad overall. Yeah, absolutely. So they get a lot of press on, you guys can't handle this, and look at who gets through. And then they can also do things like raid Oaksterdam, which those kinds of operations are considered to be top-notch, but they also cross the line with the federal government. And even though I don't think anybody thinks Oaksterdam is sketchy, they get lots of press. They scare a lot of people. And so, you know, it's a good use of uh, taxpayer money, right? I mean, they're not, they're not spending it on unknown criminals that nobody's going to care about. They get to go after high-profile individuals. So they're and, doing like you know, a across analysis on these potential targets and saying for the amount of, of effort, resources, money we put in, what is the maximum damage we can do? And then they're going after those ones that offer the maximum amount of, of penetration or whatever. Uh, instead of damage, exactly. I'd say publicity. Publicity. You Propaganda, know, like, yeah. if you will. Sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, um, you know, the question is, this is something that I'm kind of working on right now, is... How much are, how long will Montanans tolerate this? You know, we spend a lot of time in Montana congratulating ourselves on our libertarian attitude and how we think we know how to handle our own business. But the minute the federal government showed up and started taking out people trying to operate in this program, our legislators shut up real quick. Um, the day of the raids, uh, the federal raids, we call them the federal raids, but you think about it, they had 28 local law enforcement agencies working directly with the federal government. And so, you know, we can't count on our legislators to back us up. We can't count on law enforcement to protect and serve us. Oh, they actually got rid of... of them are standing by watching the federal government go directly after citizens and not doing anything about it. And the people barked loud when it happened, but it seemed like that kind of died down. I don't know, is that due to we didn't the people didn't know what to do? People were telling them, well, speak with your votes and don't reelect these people. Other people were telling them to do this, do that, do the other thing. Maybe it was too divided, maybe people just are freaking lazy. I don't know, man. It sucks well, that... it's, it's a combination of things. I think part of it is that when the raids first happened, you didn't have legislators saying very much about it because they were afraid that if they went to bat for any particular individual and it turns out that they were doing something that was clearly just flat-out criminal, even according to state law, that they would get burned by it. Now, you also have this whole element of uh, we have Diane Sands, who had the courage to put together a committee of people, including law enforcement, including doctors, including um, folks from the different prosecuting attorneys' offices, people from the industry, patients. They had it. She had the courage to get a, that group of people together to sit down and say, okay, how are we going to do this better, you know? There was a lot of bad press about the original law, 148. I think some of it was overblown, you know, but the bottom line was it was a program that was up and running and really had no 
no direction, no guidance from the legislature. They well, Chris, just didn't let me touch it. let me ask you this: they they were worried that the numbers increased so dramatically, and to me, from a business standpoint, that's a good thing. And so they tried everything they could to decrease those numbers, and look at what's happened because of it. So I think the well, the yeah. system was fine. People were getting their cards. People were getting their product, their their cannabis. Everything was cool. They created the problems, I think. It wasn't anything anybody... Well... I mean, competition would, would breed out the shady ones, and, and that, that happens. That's going to happen in pharmacies. You have doctors doing it. You have car dealers doing it. It happens in every industry. I, th- I think that there's a lot of factors to uh, look at why um, the, the booming cannabis industry got so much attention. I think that once legislators and people in office started bringing more attention to it, it got worse. But I think that the industry as a whole brought a lot of attention onto themselves. Um, um, well, I things. understand that by the late summer and into the fall of 2009, the numbers started to go up pretty dramatically. Um, things were, if you look at the kind of the growth curve, and I've, I've plotted it out, you see it start in 04, and there's just a trickle. You know, barely anybody's participating. It kind of crawls up. And then you have Obama coming into office beginning of 2009, you know, end of, end of 2008. And uh, he had made a bunch of public statements about, you know, not really wanting to devote resources to, to state programs that had this under control. And so he, he comes in the spring of 2009, you start to see things shift at, at that point, and, and it goes from guys growing weed in their basement, serving two or three people, you know, at most ten, right, to businesses that are getting established and, you know, Storefronts they're going to have employees, yeah. they're going to have payroll, they're going to pay taxes, they're going to hire accountants. But isn't that what they wanted? And, That's good for everybody, right? Well, you'd, you'd think so, In theory. right? Uh, but, at the, but along with that, you've got now um, a very important need, and that is how do people get to a doctor who's not been frightened by the DEA who, right. who issues them their license to write scripts? So you've got a lot of doctors out there who are like, look, you know what, last thing I can do is have the DEA come down and take my license to write prescription meds. So they're pretty hesitant to jump in, even though they may, in principle, have really no problem with marijuana as medicine, and they've even got a guy in front of them or a lady in front of them who has a genuine condition and all that. So now you have market forces at work, right? I mean, capitalism, yep. we're good well, at capitalism Well, think about it this, this way. It's, they'll they'll make so more money. If, we end up with, what's that? Oh, I was just saying, it, and they can just choose the, the other evil or the more evil and say, you know, I'll make more money, just as much, if not more, by prescribing them these pills. So in my best interest, I'm just not even going to mess with cannabis. And that's a lot sure. of them I mean, go that path. Are, yeah, they get perks for, you know, exactly. writing scripts. They go on, you know, trips to Hawaii for conferences and so forth. And they're not going to get messed with a natural with... plant like this. Yeah. But it's just the safest route for doctors. Exactly. By far, is for them to just keep doing what they're doing. Well, so now you have this need, right? Um, and how does that need get filled? Well, you got clinics that are dedicated to writing 
recommendations for medical marijuana. And it's during the summer of 2009 when you start to see tons and tons and tons of patients compared at least with the prior years. And so that growth curve that was pretty low uh, and steady starts to dramatically increase by the time you get into the late summer of 2009. Well, guess what? Now you've got a big market. Did right? you actually... You've got... Did you actually you know, plot many, it out? Like it, it, You actually plotted this out, right? It's like a hockey stick, like what you see in tech company growth. It's crazy. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is absolutely the hockey stick. And we should that, embrace that. really sharp increase on that line. Uh, and so... You can actually see, in fact, it's such a sharp increase, it's not even a smooth curve. It's like it just takes a, a, an abrupt, you know, direction north. And that happens in September of 2009, largely because by the summer, there was a huge backlog at DPHHS of new cards. So because of the all caravans. of a sudden they flipped to a new system and then they started to crank them out. Well, now you got a bunch of people out there that need providers. Well, capitalism being the way it is, supply and demand, the need, and so you have more and more players. Well, here now we have a system in which people can make money, which and which is virtually unregulated. Um, there's nobody out there paying attention to quality, to production values, to anything. And so you're going to have abuses, abuses of the system. It's, it's so But those services were it's offered. almost not even worth talking about, <laughs> you know? Right. And, we've, no and we've covered these well, topics a lot, too. I'm sorry? We've covered a lot of these topics as well, like uh, um, okay. throughout, throughout the so, history yeah. of our show. Yeah, like, we've, we've been covering a stuff. lot of this. So I think our listeners so, know pretty well. Well, then you, the, the problem with it is you've, while the government, I think, owed it to the citizens to develop a real regulatory system, and there were groups out there that were absolutely pushing for it, and I would say that probably the one that was the most vocal was the MMGA, saying, come on, you know, there, you need to figure out a way to impose order on what's going on. And part of the problem was that law enforcement started to kind of pull back. You know, there was a time when people would say, yeah, you know, drug task force, come on down and look at my grow. And I want to show you how straight up I am about all this. And that also stopped by the late, by late 2009, getting into 2010, because you had people that were literally inviting law enforcement in, showing them around, law enforcement would leave, and then they'd turn around and advertise saying, hey, Drug Task Force approves of my grow. Well, it didn't take long yeah. for the, the law enforcement agencies to be like, you know what, we're not going to bother with that I anymore. feel like a lot of that and was so, from the MMGA, though. From some of the meetings I attended, it seemed like they were like, you know, be open with your community. Say, you know, if you want to come and look what I'm doing, look that I'm legit. Go with the uh, right. Department of Agriculture. So if you do get raided, they have to wait for them to get there. So I, I don't know. But maybe that was part of the misguidance or maybe people just interpret it wrong. People do probably misinterpret well, it. Was naive. Probably. You know, in retrospect, Wouldn't it was naive. You know, at the time, it, the thinking was we want everybody to know that this that, that we're complying with state law, that we're doing our best, 
we were trying to identify areas that needed improvement so that at the next legislative session we can go in and say, here are the gray areas, guys. You know, you really want to tighten this up, do this, this, and this. Because understand that if you're working hard to be legitimate and legal and comply with state law, you don't like the sketchy guys getting away with murder either because they're not paying their taxes. They're not doing payroll. They're bad for us know? just as bad as they're bad for them. And I've, that's why I feel, though, the competition would have bred that out eventually. Eventually, yeah. But, you but know, they didn't give it time to allow. We're not real to good allow. at laissez-faire capitalism. Right. You know, there, in, our, in our country, there is a certain level of regulation that happens, you know, and a good example is, as always, prohibition. Um, when there was prohibition, what happened was the government was deliberately out of control of alcohol, and the, the only way that they had to control it was through law enforcement, and yet there was tremendous need, and so nobody was doing any real regulation. They were just trying to enforce criminal law. Um, once and, and as a result, there were things like lots of minors having access to alcohol. It was never easier for kids to get alcohol than during Prohibition, which is counterintuitive. Right. But it was when Prohibition went away that now you could regulate the system and go after bar owners, go after, you know, People it was a who process. Sold alcohol and take their license if they were providing it to kids. Because who was providing it before? Gangsters. Exactly. And so, and so that's the situation we have today. It's easier for kids to get marijuana than it is for them to get a pack of cigarettes. Why is that? Well, it's because cigarettes are regulated, and it really kind of burns me up a little bit when you see. Like the Great Falls Tribune ran a uh, a little sort of impromptu survey on their on their uh, main page of their website, and it said, um, "If you legalize marijuana, will it be easier for kids to get a hold of it?" Right, and, framing the question. Okay, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna word it that way, yeah. you're gonna get the kind of numbers they got, which is about seventy eight or eighty percent of the people That's said, big. "Oh yeah, it will," yeah. but. Another way you could ask the question is, if you regulate marijuana, will it be easier for kids to get a hold of it? And I think the answer there is a lot more likely that no. Um, if you've got systems uh, of control in place, I, I like the way you put that. That's, that's a, how you protect yeah. the kids. It's that's not a great like comparison. Acting like you're going to declare it to be illegal, and then suddenly everyone's just going to stop consuming. I mean, what a joke. We've been at war now for 40 years. We've spent over a trillion dollars, yeah. and marijuana is arguably more potent. It's easier to get a hold of, and it's more popular than it's ever been before. And the only solution these guys have is just to continue with the way things are right now. We have, I'm sure I'm not telling you guys anything, per capita, we have more prisoners in the United States than yeah. Stalinist Russia has. It's disgusting. I mean, there's... There's more Americans in prison per capita than there are people in communist China, and yet we get to call ourselves the land of liberty? Yeah. Give me a break. We were just talking about the education system numbers and how the U.S. ranks overall in math, reading, science, stuff like that, and it is appalling. 
but we tout ourselves yeah, as being this, you know, big, great, amazing. Especially when you compare it with the incarceration right. or criminal rates, because our our education system rating is falling quickly, and our our incarceration rate and criminal rate is going through the roof. You know, they're like almost kind of. You know, on your on your on your uh, scale, there. If one goes up, the other one goes down, kind of thing. But uh, um, Chris, let's let's go back to this. Um, uh, your minimum sentence being six hundred and ninety years. Yeah, are you well, like an elf? Cause... That was uh, yeah. The way that it, the way that it works is um, every single charge or count you get has a mandatory minimum. Uh, there are some things that you can conceivably be charged with that don't require mandatory minimums. Uh, but by and large, you know, conspiracy to manufacture, manufacturing, um, possession with intent isn't, but actually uh, distribution is. Each one of these, you know, you get like five years or up to 20, and then like some insane fine, like, you know, two point five million. Right. Um, the way it works with guns is it's five years for the first count, which is in addition to any other sentence that you get, and then twenty five years for each count after that. Oh man! Well, when the when the indictment came down, we looked through it and they found twenty eight firearms. And so we did the math, and it turns out the math was bad. I'm, I'm happy to report that the mandatory minimum for me would not be 690 years. It would actually only be 90 years. So that means that on a mandatory minimum, I would get out at, a, at about age 130. Hmm. So that's far better than 690. Sure. But not really. So it, it, and the reason is because, by the way, it, they didn't do 28 counts, not one for each firearm. I don't know how or why, but they actually only did four counts. So after you sort of add up all of these different mandatory minimums, it ends up netting to 90 years. Because you're a nice guy, and, you know. Six, 600 years for being a nice guy. Yeah, that's right. Good time, right? <clears throat> Unbelievable. Now, I look at, like, okay, use has gone up, lots of people do it. Can we study this logically? So for the last however long they've been fighting this war, we've dealt with that and managed to keep some sort of semblance of of order in this whole underground economy or whatever you want to call it. And people aren't dying like they're dying from cigarettes. They're not dying like they're dying from alcohol. They're not dying like they're dying from pain pills. So even against them pulling all that bullshit and the drug itself, like that has to show that it is pretty safe. But even in the face of that, they it, well, it doesn't matter. Well, understand that logic does not have right. a whole lot to do with the conversation. God told me. Right? Because God said so. It. Just, just for a moment, they've yeah. been calling marijuana a gateway drug for, you know, many, many years. Um, now, if that were the case, and we had all of these marijuana smokers crop up in Montana since 2004, then wouldn't we see a corresponding spike 
in hard drug users in Montana because they all went through the gateway, right? Right. And, and crime yet, in I don't general. hear anything about an increased use of meth because of medical marijuana. I don't right. hear anything about cocaine well, and Ian, or didn't heroin. Didn't you present a study that showed all of this yes. stuff to the yep. legislator? Yes, I did. Personally. I think we have a copy of it over there. It's I, like 65 pages of referenced stats, and it actually shows uh, quite the opposite. Well, there have been studies very recently that show that suicide rates go down in medical states, DUIs yep. go down in medical states, yep. teen use goes down in medical states, but they don't, that, again, logic doesn't have anything to do with the conversation. It doesn't matter how many people at the microphone you get during a legislative session talking about the value of medical marijuana. The one that they're going to listen to is the girl that gets up to the microphone and right. talks about how her friends prostitute themselves for medical marijuana. Now, when did That's that start, Chris? In this country, when so, did we start going away from the let's make decisions based on logic and reason and into this whole other world? like? Did you see it take place, or did we miss it, or what happened? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it gradually. I guess an area I'm not as familiar with, but it does seem to. I mean, I think politics has always been politics. They right. they're going to listen to the people that fit their agenda. Sure. Um, you know, it's how we got to that point in the United States, I'm not sure. I was around in the 80s when uh, Reagan kind of came into office, and I, I've got to tell you, people seem to worship that guy now, but when I was a teenager in the 80s, we thought the guy was evil. Um, but it seems, you know, from my perspective, that's when things started to kind of lurch more and more to the right, um, you know, whether or not that's true or not, or that's just the age I was when it started to happen, I don't know. Yeah, I was born in 1980, but, so I kind of missed that whole thing. But it seems like it was a slow and gradual kind of shift. Well, and, and you even see, like, quotes from, you know, from back in the day. I think it was Isaac Asimov, maybe, who said, you know, we're... We're, we're in dangerous territory when, when people question education, as if, as if people who, who go get an education are untrustworthy. Right. You know, that we're better off relying on Anecdotal folks evidence. don't have, you know, science is suspect. And, and so to throw out studies just doesn't really resonate with people. Well, Chris, I guess and, we could just sit around and pray about it. I mean, that, that would be okay, right? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I, I have a, a, something I'd like to bring up. So you did the math yourself, and it came out to be about an 80-year sentence or so, like with the mandatory minimums, correct? Mm-hmm, 90, yeah. 80, 90 years. And so like, I was just kind of looking at... Um, other criminals that got 80 and 90 year sentences mm. and you find multiple murderers who is find, he among company you find with? uh people that have raped a a slew of different people sure. men and women wow and then and then have done some heinous crimes of like people as, that should legitimately be off the streets right i mean sure. armed robbery after raping a 16 year old killing three people like he he got yeah, a, a he got a 70 year sentence her kids 
yeah, to uh, do child porn, and she got probation. <laughs> right. Okay. And so the scale is completely <laughs> off. I, I I know that you can't talk about details about your case. I mean, like, I just I wanted to go over a couple of these claims that are made against you. I mean. Federal conspiracy, drug and gun charges. Okay, so, and then the next sentence in this article says the guns weren't yours. And so, I just wanted to clarify with our listeners that, you know, when you got indicted, the feds didn't come to your house and find an arsenal in the basement. No. They didn't come and find 15 assault rifles. The crazy and, dungeon in the bomb shelter. Right, like, <laughs> and Chris, so, are you a prepper? Right, when I think basically, the, if you if you that. read the indictment, which I think I can talk about, you know, real specifically because it's part of the public record, well, um, you know, I'm lumped in with the other co-defendants, one of whom was one of the business owners. The I other one, I think, was really just one of many many employees, but he happened to be the guy that would make headlines. If he got charged, because he's the you know the mountain man that got involved in all that ugliness in the eighties with the triathlon or biathlon right. runner, so right. that's a good example, I think, of going after somebody that's going to just make everybody look bad. And you know, I never met the guy; I don't have anything against him. But um, the bottom line is, there were a lot of people that worked there, and right. uh, you know, he happens to be the one that they name as a co-defendant. But at any rate, uh, okay. my there, it's if you read through the indictment, there's not like a lot of distinction sure. between us. It's not like they're like, oh, here's the Chris Lindsay part Portion. of the story. Right. It's just the co-defendants did this, the co-defendants did this, the co-defendants did this, right. and I don't think there's really a dispute about when things got started, when they wrapped up, when I was out and all that stuff, and that's just completely glossed over. I mean, they have me in this quote-unquote conspiracy going back to 2006 all the way through 2011, and that's just not the case, you know? Right, I mean, even this article I, I, doesn't I wasn't even a patient that. in 2006, you know? So, Ian, what's I think the... I was in a hospital, actually, <laughs> during that time. What's the article? And, you know, I mean, there's there's plenty of criminals that can orchestrate things from hospital beds and prison cells. And I just think it's, sorry, but I just think it's interesting that um, what what I gather and what I assumed um, being a, a cannabis advocate as well and have hearing your name, I've always heard that you're a lawyer, like a, a, a man that's upholding uh, citizens' rights, not a drug dealer that has an arsenal of weapons. And so I just... Yeah. I think it's really important to illustrate that this article, even though it's um, trying to point out um, how sad this whole situation is, but I think that for someone that isn't as intimate with the topic, if they read this article, I think... They think he was Mafia Kingpin. Right, and I mean, I guess you can see a little bit of of, of an inflated um, illustration of this, but I, I just think that... Um, the way that these charges are brought up against you, it, it seems um, so obtuse. Like, well, understand there is a there is this sort of obtuse. unfortunate way that cases get reported on. Absolutely. Um, what happens is 
a prosecutor somewhere, both on the state and the federal level, gets charges filed. And then those, in, you know, in the federal cases, sometimes they'll be sealed, but, you know, on a state case, they're not, and on a federal case, they don't have to be. And what happens is you've got reporters that, that have, like, a court, you know, district court or federal court beat as part of their job. So they read these documents, and they write their stories based on what the allegations are. Correct. They don't, you don't have like, oh, let's go meet with the defendant. They didn't oh, call yes, you? Sir, what do you think about the charges? Are they BS? Because you've got an attorney there saying, look, you can't be out there talking about your case. Um, right. And that's kind of why know, I was nervous I'm, for you to If see I go that. into detail, for instance, on what I think happened uh, and all of that stuff, I can get in a lot of trouble for jury tampering if right. I'm addressing the potential population that might end up in the jury. And, so and you never know. We have you know, I can talk about what they think I did, but I don't really get to say, oh yeah, no, he, this line's wrong because it's this other way. Right. And I wouldn't, you know, because now I'm tampering. And I wouldn't now, ask you to do that. Don't tamper, we don't want right? you to they tamper. get to allege all day long. That's not tampering. Sure. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, man. If we didn't have a right to jury trial as a part of a fundamental right as Americans, it's shocking. Right. Where we'd be isn't that what some of know, these new it, bills are trying to playing field. Isn't that what some of these new bills are trying to do? And at least in the tech industry, is kind of bypass a lot of that due process and just go straight to we own your domain now, and you're going to Gitmo or follow our rules. Right. Um, well, so, yeah. I mean, it's. I think people. Let me just soapbox here for a minute. I, I think that our founding fathers would be pretty shocked as to where we ended up with the country that they set up for That's us. That's not I mean, what we meant. You don't get back your liberties. You know, you, you, that comes from blood and, and tears. It doesn't come from sweeping reform. And so, you know, I think we're, we, we see a pretty steady loss of liberty over a long period of time in our country and how are we going to get that back you know it's it going to get kind of sad <laughs> bloody a bloody That's mess right. and so you're you're involved in this and i know that a lot of other um people that have been indicted or received charges whether it's been through a federal raid or other means while having something to do with the cannabis industry in montana um they're getting much shorter sentences. They're they're being implicated with a lot less. You know, anywhere from like twelve to eighteen month sentences. And you know, a lot of these people um, aren't getting it as uh, are as they stiff making? You. And is this because they are cutting a deal or entering a plea bargain? Or are they making sure. an example I mean, of Chris? Look, if you're a prosecutor going after somebody that's doing medical marijuana, you've got a lot of choices as to all the different possible charges. And they all carry mandatory minimums. And so if you do normal things like a normal business, you really set yourself up for lots and lots of minimum time, depending on the, uh, you know, the different set of charges that they could hit you with. Correct. So what they do is they make you sweat and think, you know, gee, I'm, I'm going to go away for decades. And then they come along and they say, okay, well, here's a deal. Uh, if you agree to plead guilty to this charge, we'll drop all the other stuff and 
will get in front of the judge, and the mandatory minimums then don't apply. So suddenly, going to prison for only seven years sounds like a deal, um, or whatever. Because and you've so been thinking for the, the last... The courts have not really responded very much to longer sentences. They here, they seem to have gone with the shorter things, and so that puts even more pressure on people to just say, well, you know, I can't talk about state law. There's all this stuff that I'm not really going to be able to introduce. Um, so what am I going to do, right? You know, I got a family. This is what they're saying. And it doesn't take long to do the mental math. Right. So that's, that's the situation. And, and I see it all the time on state cases. Absolutely. It's a and tactic, it's, man. It's, it's like the, the bully on the playground. I'm going to beat you up on Friday. The anticipation and so then is the worst part. And yeah, you know, doing that consciously, you you illustrate this this Manifest. dramatic <laughs> end of you and your family's <laughs> life yeah. because of this thing. And so then that that olive branch that got that gets reached or, over to you, you you jump at it because it's it's like light at the end of the tunnel, and you can put all this behind you. You know, eighteen months. No, I mean that's way better than twenty years. And so then, and so you don't have people going to trial because if they, you know, really the only shot would be jury nullification, which is a long shot at best. I mean, talk about shooting for the moon, right? You know, uh, because you never know who's going to be on the jury. You don't get to talk about nullification. And I think your chances you know, of getting that jury are dismal, dismal. I mean, you got to. You're gonna. You'd have to be a very lucky in Missoula individual. or at in hell. I, I think kind of in general, depending on the charges that are brought down on you. I mean, some things. Wait, are we talking maybe, jury though? Yeah, I I was under the impression that in the majority of Montana, they would be hard pressed to find a jury to even be like, "Are you serious?" But maybe yeah, this but is a talk different. Talk about a gamble, right? I mean, if yeah. you lose, that, you're putting it on your gamble, peers. you're done. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know you, about you, but my you, peers. You're gonna get more than if you, if you go. Say your sentence is for five years, you're going to serve probably 90% of that. They're overcrowded. You know? So it's, it's not you're like nice state guy. cases where if you go four years, you probably can uh, get out on parole in one. Right. Generally, it's about a quarter of the time. In state, in federal cases, there's these mandatory minimums. So even if the judge is like, this isn't right, you know, this person shouldn't go, he can't do anything about it. You know, he's, he's stuck just like everybody else is in this system. A lot of people so, got involved with well, the medical cannabis thing uh, based on maybe personal morals or at least personal opinion. And I would go as far to say that a lot of people that um, are still involved today have a set like a, a certain amount of of belief in what they are doing like they believe what they are doing is just and and right and, they, and they've stuck through it and so i guess i just wanted to bring or give you an opportunity to kind of say this on air but why aren't you taking a plea bargain why aren't you bargaining with the federal government saying oh my god okay okay i give i give uncle i'm sorry I, I, I don't know. I grew a couple plants in my basement and, and you raided me and, and I'll, I'll take your shorter sentence. Like why, why aren't you doing that? Well, first of all, I haven't had anybody come along and make an offer like that, but you know, part of the problem too is complicated being a lawyer 
because um, there's this thing called uh, attorney-client privilege, and there are ethics rules, ironically, that say that I don't, you know, get to, and I really shouldn't be able to just throw my client under the bus to start wheeling and dealing to keep myself out of prison. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22 uh, as to how all that breaks down. So. so if you represent yourself, but you have that privilege, is that just like pleading the fifth? You just... I, I well, that blows my mind. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out in a trial setting. Um, the way the ethics rules work is I can defend myself okay, which I think is different. So if I'm on the stand, that's one thing to talk about what happened, but it's another thing to say, okay, feds, I tell you what, you cut me a deal and I'll tell you whatever you need to know about whoever it is you want to go after. I think that's different. That's not defense anymore. That's get me a deal. Right. Uh, and I think that there's a problem with that. And I just, in, on principle, it just doesn't seem right. That's um, what I wanted you so. to say. The principle. That's what I was after. Thank you. Um, <laughs> absolutely. It's hard to swallow your pride and admit that those assholes are, have the better hand on you. Because this is something well, that you feel strongly yeah. about, or, or did, or could feel strongly about. I mean, I, I don't personally know, but in, in, the, in a similar situation, I mean, you know, principles are, are rocks, but sometimes they're not as heavy as consequences, <laughs> sometimes. Well, but, it definitely tests your metal, that's for sure. Right. right. Federal. And so, um... I was going to ask. The chat had a couple questions. Oh, I think we ahead. pretty much covered it, though, right? Will Justin Fan Green says, "Damn, will he take it to court or take a plea deal?" We pretty much covered that. Yep. Uh, youth uses Montana and Lois Nation. Will you take it to a jury? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered all that. Right? Did they yeah. did they confiscate anything from you? Did they when they indicted you? Like they didn't come pay you a visit with the U-Haul truck and load up your um super soakers and yeah, I mean they did they show up and and load up all your you know the hundreds of grow lights that you have and the the <laughs> 16 greenhouses yeah, and it the shooting range my laptop and my cell phone you know um the secret in my situation what happened was um i had been working with an attorney uh for quite a while because um it was only about a month after the raid that i got the call from the dea saying come on down we want to talk to you and you know Basically, what you do at that point is lawyer up. Right. Um, and so lawyer they knew that I had an attorney, out. and uh, he had been talking to the prosecutors that were working on that case, and uh, fortunately uh, was able to sort of be there to find out that, yeah, they, they issued a warrant for me, and so why don't you just go on down there and turn yourself in, we'll get you processed and in front of the judge, and then... The question then is, so they didn't come to my house, they didn't scare my family and all that kind of stuff. That's um, nice of them. Which is fortunate, right? I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, so, you know, I went down there, did the whole thing, um, got booked in, you know, sat in the holding cell for a little while and then got in front of the judge and, 
you know, the only real question is, are they going to let me out between the time that they charge me and when my trial rolls around? And it's not like I'm a flight risk. You know, I, if I was going to split, I'd have done it a year ago. Right. Um, and so there, you know, there wasn't that kind of pressure. And so the judge, you know, went with the, hey, let's just release him on his own recognizance. And I, you know, remain in contact with my attorney. And I'm on what's called pretrial supervision now. So I report every week to a uh, U.S. probation officer. Which I'd like to point out. Make sure they understand what I'm up to. And, you know, they can P-test me whenever they want. And, uh, you know. You're being treated like you're on probation already. And and all that kind of stuff. Isn't that weird? You're being, I mean, this is, this is, uh, um, I'm familiar with this because someone that uh, I know here in town is experiencing the same thing that you are. He's pretty much on probation. He has to check in every week, the urine analysis, if they so choose. And you haven't mm-hmm. been found guilty of anything in your whole life. Nope. Nope. And yeah, I don't have any priors, you know, none of that stuff. Um, yeah, they haven't really been hard on me, though, you know. I'm, I'm not really a challenge for these guys. And so, um, But at any moment, they could be banging on my door and do an inspection, go through all my stuff, you know, just make sure I don't have you know, any contraband or any firearms and, you or know, child I, pornography I took a P test right when I uh, <laughs> first got booked. Um, and then they basically just want to see that I'm not continuing to consume cannabis. Uh, and so, you know, if they, next time they test me, the numbers are going to have to be quite a bit lower and, you know, now what if you, stuff. what if you obtained a prescription for Marinol? Because their urine analysis test tests for the same metabolite. Mm-hmm. And so if you had a Marinol prescription that you pick up at a pharmacy from a federally regulated mm. uh, pharmacy and then use cannabis, they can't tell the difference whether it's your Marinol script or your cannabis that you have consumed through the use of the plant. Even though Marinol's garbage. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know the specific answer. I, I've had a couple of that clients was my of mine mention that, to but I, I don't know how that <laughs> would sure play out. That you know, right. um, I well, think that on, and I feel, on a certain level, yeah, you're right. I feel um, that if it's important to you, so not to know, mess around. It, I could see, it wouldn't be a stretch for a situation where, let's say that I went and found a doctor and said, hey, you know, uh, get me a prescription for Marinol, and then I test positive. That there would be a Chinese fire drill around that whole thing, and they may just say, "Look, you know what? We don't want you taking Marinol. You're gonna have to take some other alternative medicine, like OxyContin." Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but that would be I, I wouldn't be surprised. No, and and I I I was kind of being facetious because I don't really think that that's a good path for you. I think that if if you really feel seriously enough about something, then you know, the horseplay can be left out. I wonder how many people listening at home right now went, huh. That's kind of yeah. why I wanted to bring that up. I, I, I was helping you know, somebody. As an attorney, I wouldn't advise anybody give it a shot. Of and course. As I understand it, Marinol's pretty expensive. Yes, so. it is. Yes, it is. But you don't actually have to get it. Yeah. Allegedly. Just Moving on. Yeah. Anyway. I, I was just thinking, um, you know, that that... Uh, uh, it might be a good idea for other people that aren't in such a serious uh, right. situation. Hypothetically. 
Right, allegedly. People have pitched it at me before, but I, you know, I don't know what to tell folks um, about it specifically. But you're actually taking it seriously. The problem is that the temptation would be there to gain the system, right? Because you're not exactly out to go get your Marinol. Just to be like... You know, it, it presumably it's there to, to cover, you know, something else you might be into, like, you know, the real deal. Just and that would be it, a straight-up violation. And, no, you know, if they came and tested me and it looks like I haven't uh, quit, then I could just go straight to jail right. and sit and there until like the trial. Said, and that's not worth no, the risk. Not by any means. That's why I was saying that, you know, you're obviously taking this seriously. You know, this isn't oh, this isn't something that's yeah. on the back burner for you. <laughs> like other sure. people may uh, act... You know, like, I, I I found it interesting, this is a little off topic, but I found it interesting that somebody is trying to get a job, right? And they've known for maybe a couple of weeks that they might get this job or they might not, and they know that they're going to have to do a UA, and then two days before their Last UA, minute they come into they the cut, shop you know, and the people like, coming what? in looking for masks or this, oh, and man. it's like, how long have you known that you're going to have to take this UA test? Two and months. they're like, two weeks. Two months. And it's like... You obviously don't really care about this job or you obviously don't really want it because you haven't put the effort forth to show the company that you can at least go 30 days without smoking. And let's be honest, we know what addiction's like and I can, like smoking pot, that is the easiest thing I've ever stopped doing in my life. Cigarettes, forget it. You can't. Yeah, it's the worst. And if so if I knew system, that I was going to get a job, if I could stop smoking weed for like two weeks... Or whatever, like yeah, it, it, that little I guess bit of effort. It, yeah, it's just silly. I've seen opposite, that. People. Just you know, I I can walk away from cigarettes like that. It's, really, it's weird. I don't. I can't explain it. But I've never. If I smoke cigarettes, but I probably have like two a day. And um, if somebody came along, basically, when I'm running short of money, that's the first thing that goes. Forget yeah. it. I don't need cigarettes, right? Where for a very long time after I started smoking marijuana, I, I found it really hard to quit. Um, really? Because it sort of becomes part of a lifestyle. Uh, you know, it just it makes life in better. In ways, but <laughs> truly, that's all. when things got real serious, it's not like I sit around during the day and think, man, I really wish. You know, I guess I sort of wish it, but I'm not seriously tempted you know but you're not getting like, sick nuts. like coming off of opiates or something that's what i'm saying like people freak out like oh god i can't you know like that's not yeah it doesn't change the chemistry in your brain the exactly. way that narcotics can where that that's a different level of addiction you know yeah. dude trying to quit it's heroin is cool. not the same guy trying to quit marijuana <laughs> yeah. you know so. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you called in tonight. Yeah, Chris, I mean, thank you. I was just going to highlight this article, and actually, this article is is completely off base after talking to you. Um, He's not the, the article. Are you reading the well, gun toting mafia kingpin? Two different ones. One from Montana Festo, and I already closed the other one. But the one on Montana Ouch. Festo, I mean, uh, points out the 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 negative side of you know the law. But I mean, it also kind of paints the other a one was the picture. Great False Tribune. Yeah, but the Montana Festo paints a different picture of the situation, I think, and of you especially, like kind of what it goes on to say. It makes I, 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 I'm going to feel weird saying this, but I think he actually uh, m- makes you look a lot more uh, human, principle, or based on principle, because he says. Um, 
He says he can't accept a plea deal on something he believes in. So what does that mean for Chris? Brace yourself. Mandatory minimums on his charges amass sentences of 690 years in federal prison. Maximum and thank sentence. you for clearing. Thank you for clearing that. You understand that when the, when the indictment first came down, that's the way that it appeared uh, right. because of the the thought was it was per gun as opposed to per count. Right. So when you know you look through the indictment, you start adding up the firearms they list. It's twenty eight, and so when it first came out, it really kind of looked like seriously that many and. Uh, <laughs> Um, it was later that, that I figured out that, you know, it's, it's per count, it's not per gun, which, you know, changes things considerably. But, you they know, I have really that. kind of taken the position that the only way that we're really ever going to see things change is when people start to push back. Because right. if everybody takes a deal, then there's no pressure on yeah, the federal government nothing. to really change their approach to this. Right. And it so, you know, my position has been, look, maybe I just need to, I need to go to trial and roll the dice. And it's, it's a tough thing, they'll, you know, and, it, and uh, that's, that's kind of the spot that I've been in for a while is, you know, if I take a deal, then it's all over, and everything that the federal government alleges just sort of becomes fact at that point. If I go to trial, I at least have the opportunity to tell my pressing. side of the story, which I can't do now. Uh, and the, the problem is, is again, it's a tremendous risk, because in effect, you're asking a jury to sort of just blow off federal law. You know, because is it worth if they going know to prison what's... for the rest of your life to just tell your side of the story? I mean, if that's all you net, then that doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. You know, I've got an eight-year-old kid at home who I care for very deeply. We have a real close relationship, and I want to be a part of you know, every second of his life. And how do you tell that kid that, yeah, daddy's going to prison? Well, you especially know, that's, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, your 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 children, your family is probably worth more than the principle of you know not taking the plea deal, like because you know their importance in your life is more important than you getting to tell your side of the story. But then, like, as a as a father, though, like you have to set some sort of like. This is when you have to stand up to maybe, set that example. That may not maybe be start the with battle. something smaller than sure, life in prison. Sure, yeah. You know, maybe start point. with I don't know, like but doing yard work set on a Sunday. Like you know? this could, yes, could. Now, but they are they gonna? They would have to make a ruling based on all the co-defendants, right? Like, like they're not gonna say it's okay, not him individually. Uh, person A gets this, and then you know right. Chris. Like, obviously, you you only you just get out of here, go home, <laughs> you know. And then and then person C, you know, you're you know you get six hundred years in jail. <laughs> Good luck. Well, it's not a, it isn't an all or one. I mean, really, they would be able to say, you know, like for instance, since we're all thrown into the same case, at least when the indictment first came down, there were three co-defendants, and one of them is a former felon, and so if you look at the charges, one of the charges is felon in possession of a firearm. Well, that's not me. You know, a jury wouldn't say, oh yeah, he's a co-defendant, so he gets that too. Right. So a jury would parse out which 
charges apply to which particular defendant. So in now, all, in, all... In, in this case, I expect, as I understand it, one of the one of the co-defendants, the Mountain Man guy, yep. that he's already been severed from the case. So, as I understand it, really, there's two co-defendants now, um, and it, and it's a very good chance that by the time we get to trial, we'll be severed too. And part of it goes to what you're going to use as a defense. So, for instance. If you, if I end up in a situation where I would be testifying against another person, one of the co-defendants, that case can't happen all at the same time. You know, we're going to end up in separate trials. So, um, you know, the, it's it's really something that I've been talking to my lawyer about: is do we, you know, do we stay in with these guys or do we, you know, run our own game? And it's a it's a running debate. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, I, I agree with Matt saying that, you know, based on principle or, you know, as an idea, standing up for this and fighting it in court, setting the precedent is all very honorable and, you know, in an idealist. Yeah, the knight in shining yeah, armor. Yeah. Here comes Chris, you know, trying to stand up f- but and reality, say what all of us can't. In reality, won't. some of our peers believe some pretty wacky shit. So, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I like that line in Scarface, you know, when he says, uh, "Who do I trust?" Me. You know, and that's, you know, that's Tiano really how I feel about no a lot of of uh, you know, a lot about politics and, and but the criminal if system. Y- y- or justice system, I call it a criminal You got to either cause... redo the game or play theirs, and it doesn't seem like people are motivated enough to redo the game. So, we got to play yeah, there. It's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I'm I'm writing about it right now. I'm trying to wrap up an op-ed that's going to go in the Missouri and about not about me, but about what are where do we go from here? I mean, it's a really unusual thing that's been going on in Montana. Um, if you look at the national scene. There's been a pretty dramatic shift in what's happened with respect to both medical marijuana and with just straight up rec- recreational smoke, and that is when when things got started. You know, in California, it was a voter initiative, and it was voter initiatives all the way up through and past Montana. But if you look at what's happening now, you don't hear about voter initiatives so much. I mean, there's a voter initiative on legalization. Because they get overturned or what? But No, what's happened is the medical marijuana stuff has shifted into the legislatures. So now you've got state um, legislators who are talking about we need a medical marijuana program because that's what our constituents want. And so ah. despite the fact that the federal government has really kind of doubled down on its uh, hatred of all things medical marijuana, you've got more and more and more support on a nat- on the national scene for it. You, you look at the polls, and it, it clocks up in the 70s and sometimes the low 80s for the population that thinks we should allow for medical marijuana. Uh, even, you know, that well-known Gallup poll says that 50% of Americans think we should just straight-up legalize marijuana. And that's happening at a time when the DEA is being more aggressive than it's ever been before. So Is that cause I'm, and effect? I'm, I'm calling it the Green Revolution. The, 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 despite the fact that 
the federal government is cracking down, you've got pushback happening on the state level on a, on a scale that we've never seen before. You know, this isn't hippies with, you know, ballot initiatives. This is Republicans coming out saying, this is nuts. I mean, okay, here's the list. you got Chris Christie, one of the Republican darlings, the governor of New Jersey, saying we need a new direction. He's not, he's not completely punting on law enforcement, but nonviolent criminal offenders in the drug war, they shouldn't be going to prison. you got Pat Robertson coming out. You've got some of the leadership in Nevada, Republicans. You've got New Hampshire, Republican-controlled House and Senate, overwhelmingly voting in favor of a medical marijuana program. And and so, Irvin all, Rosenfeld you got, you got was, Forbes, was you've just got the there. Economist, you've got uh, William F. Buckley for crying out loud is coming out saying we need something new, and so there's been a dramatic shift in public opinion everywhere except for Montana. Montana appears to be its own world where we see this retreating here. Okay, we got the SB 423, which was designed by people who were bitter that they couldn't get it repealed. And so while the mainstream media reports it as if somehow the industry just doesn't like getting regulated, they don't understand that the reality is is that SB 423 is a regulation. It's bait. I mean, it's literally like you you comply with the system and... And look what happened. Something bad's going to happen. You look, know, you look gotta, what happened from the it. The hoops that you jump through are very, very difficult I, for anybody to comply with. And, and unfortunately, if you're not in the business, it's hard to kind of understand the nuances that make it so that it's far more attractive for people just to flip into a black market scenario and be completely unregulated. And I think here I mean, in Montana, you know, we've got as by way of example. Every single person who's got a medical marijuana card shows up whenever a law enforcement officer runs their ID through a, through their uh, criminal uh, database. So if you get pulled over and you're a medical marijuana patient and you're pulled over for speeding, the officer takes your driver's license, goes back to his car, and runs your name on this database. It's called the CJIN or the CGIN. And he has direct vision into DPHHS's database. So by the time he comes back to the vehicle to hand you your ticket, he knows that you're a medical marijuana patient. And you can bet that the nature of the stop is going to change at that point. Because now he's thinking, okay, I got a guy who's in, probably in possession, maybe DUI. Uh, Does you know, it? Hold on, car, hold on, hold on, Chris. Does uh, it? That and in- they have been trained to. <laughs> Find where somebody may be in violation. But does so it... there are some real easy <laughs> questions that law enforcement can ask at that point, and somebody who has a false sense of security thinking, oh, I'm all good, I'm in the registry, can suddenly find themselves in a lot of trouble if, for instance, they moved since they got their card and, and never told DPHHS. Yeah, don't break the law when you're breaking void. the law. Yeah. Like, don't break the law when you're breaking the law. But doesn't like, that have to, in the back of that officer's mind, know that if he does something and it gets taken to task and he ends up being wrong, like, he's going to, he'll have the ACLU, he'll have a lawsuit. It almost seems like it's... 
No, he won't. You don't he think so? He's not going to no. swoop in and really? do anything no. in that situation. You know what happens? I feel like there's you have nobody the to fight for that's, you. That's, that's I feel like Al Sharpton would be here right now being like, this is wrong. You have no one to fight for you or with you in as Montana. a medical marijuana patient in Montana. Like that's You are bullshit. pretty much on your own or whoever you can hire. Other than that, you're not going to get a whole lot of support. Damn. Right. And so because is it... Is it do you do the right thing? No. And get registered with no. the state. No. You absolutely do not. And do everything right. No. Grow your own in your house. No. Where now law it's enforcement, who will instantly go to work for the Fed as soon as they get the phone call, um, is out getting trained on weaknesses within the program and how to leverage that to identify what they would consider criminal conduct. They set up so, fake Facebook accounts and shit and fish all day. Bloop. Yeah. Fish and also I mean, in Montana, we have the good old boy system. Every other day, right. I get a phone call now from somebody who got caught on the uh, address problem. So, for instance, you know, it's, it, the rule of DPHHS or within the law, it says if you change your home address, your residence, if you change your doctor, if your condition changes, you've got 10 days to notify DPHHS or your card is void. And so if you moved, you got your card nine months ago and you moved, how many of those people think, oh crap, I better call DPHHS, get my application in and get my new card. And by the way, DPHHS cannot possibly issue you a card within 10 days. No so way. That's dicks. How fair is that system? Not right? at and so all. Law enforcement you is would be trained out of your mind to, participate to check the address on system. a card versus your driver's license and, and draw you out. Hey, so you're, you're the patient, huh? Yeah, yeah, I am. Do you have anything with you? And you think, yeah, I do, and I'm cool. I can no, just I tell don't. Them. I do, you're, you know, I do, officer. And then he's like, oh, where do you live? Well, I live here. Well, according to their database, that's not where you live. Your card isn't any good, bro. Ah. Step out of the vehicle, right? So is it better for, you know, that's a hell of a regulatory system. Why would you participate in that system in good conscience? How could you possibly make the choice to participate in that system? That's disgusting. Well. A lot yeah. of people do, and I know the that. reason why you choose to do that is you believe one, in something, but they've corrupted no, it into something so far past what it was. That's not why you participate in the medical marijuana. You well, use cannabis because you believe in it. You participate in the medical program for other reasons, more material a, reasons. Like okay. one, uh, you're 65 years old. You've moved here sure. from Florida, and you would like to get some cannabis to ease the aches and pains. So you go get your medical card, so you can find a shop that you feel comfortable at to Legally, obtain your medicine. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to mention, not and this isn't true everywhere, but I think that. Um, there were certain individuals that were a little bit more informed on cannabis and the effects of the chemicals in the plant so they can maybe better coach you or give you good recommendations for what's going to work best for you as an individual. I think that in some dispensaries or some providers were very well educated and could make sure that their patient was receiving a type of cannabis that was beneficial for them, which on the black market... You don't always have that ability. You might just be right. getting yeah, whatever your dealer is. Right. I got. mean, the, the, the bag you get that started out as brickweed out of 
Mexico, you know, nobody's caring about the CBDs, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, there are benefits, when you, when you it's deal just with, a, with yeah. a provider who takes their job seriously, in a perfect situation, what you've got is a choice of strains with uh, varying degrees of THC versus CBDs versus CBNs versus any number of other active ingredients, which if you've got chronic pain, you're going to want the CBDs. If you've got anxiety problems or some of the other uh, types of issues, you know, not related specifically to pain, you might want more THC or a combination of the two. Uh, and that's, that's all relative all based on the patient. So, yeah, yeah. You, you lose that sort of customization. You also lose working with somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, now who the, the dude that's growing your black market weed? He doesn't care if he didn't flush his plants properly. He doesn't care if there's still residual uh, insecticides. He doesn't care if it has mold. He there's all. no testing going on. None of that. There's no labeling. It's just here's your. Sack. I don't think yeah. there's any testing going on now. So there, there's plenty of reasons for somebody to well, still absolutely. want to participate in this system in a sane frame of mind. Yet, um, I think that a lot of framework has been assembled over the last few years, and there are certainly people that aren't wanting to get their cards renewed because now they're maybe a little bit more educated themselves. Maybe they know where they can maybe still pick out a little bit of a variety or maybe, you know, their neighbor still has their card and they can just send their neighbor to their dispensary Piggyback form. Yeah, 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 because uh, going down and, and spending the money to get your card renewed or maybe being told you have to go to a second doctor, or, you know, whether it's for financial or medical or whatever It's more reasons, hoops. It's more BS. It's not as easy. But it's I also have easy. to say that... <laughs> I also have to say that, you know, uh, initiative for a lot of folks these days is, you know, bottom of the barrel. It's not difficult to get your card still. It just takes a little bit more effort than right. just showing up someplace lost, kind of looking around and then getting a card 15 minutes later. Like you actually have to, you know, uh, do a little bit but of work. Look now. at what that that increase in work did to the number. That's what I'm saying. Isn't that amazing? That's what I'm saying. Like that, that, um, that frame it, of mind it, is alive. It crushed. And, and see a lot of people too listen to their friends or, you know, they don't actually get the, the real information about what to do about your card renewal. I mean, there's still plenty of people that think they have to go to see two or three doctors or something. Right. And it has to pass because they read one time in the paper that you might <laughs> yes. have to get your uh, recommendation uh, reviewed by a board of, of three doctors or something, you know, like, and people right, latch right. onto those things yeah, and, a, and don't let go of it. doing seminars around the state right now specifically for patients. So that oh, yeah. Plug your Kalispell. Can try to get some straight information to them about what, what are all these little gotchas? What are the things they need to know about in terms of remaining in compliance with the state program? How does the how do the physicians' recommendations work? Because you know the problem we had before, the problem we have now is that when people it used to be that for every one provider there were six patients, so most people could have a provider. Now for every one provider there's forty eight patients, and the, the provider that actually provides to that many is definitely going to be a target because he's going to have right. to be producing a lot. He's going to have to be, you know, doing a lot of activity. And so he's pretty vulnerable. Um, and so the reality is, is 
um, most, I think 46% of the patients out there don't have a provider at all right now. Right. So to me, that says that most patients are really just on their own. And I guess technically that means they should be growing their own, but they probably aren't. They're probably just doing their... Well, not 46%. ...with a kind of get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, but the, the problem with that is, you know, back in the day, you'd have a caregiver who was kind of your resource. You know, they would explain the details of the law and help you understand kind of yep. what the news is around all lot. this stuff. Yep. And now you Still got do. patients out there on their own, and without even realizing it, they're doing stuff that a law enforcement officer might pick up on and say, guess what? You're in violation of the law. Your card doesn't, it doesn't mean anything now. Yep. And so I think it's important that we've got good information out there and a resource for patients, but it's, it's hard, you know. So, hey, Chris, we got to... Like, you know, we yeah. got to wrap this up, but are you? Do you have dates set for uh, this this tour? I've got Missoula at a place called the Staybridge Inn uh, this Saturday from two to five thirty, um, and then after that is uh, I don't, I'm not doing anything on Sunday because that's Mother's Day. The following weekend is going to be Bozeman and Kalispell. Uh, and it's at the red line in Kalispell. If anybody wants to learn more, they can go to www.cardholderseminars.com, and I've got the schedule out there and kind of talk a little bit about what I'm covering. We can probably post that on our yeah, forums. Yeah, definitely. So and, that'll get a little bit of awareness on the, on the site. For sure. And, it, cool. yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, if we're going to start this project, too, I think that's a, I don't know if you want to talk about that. We kind of got to get this uh, done, but, yeah. Should be interesting. There, there will be good resources for those of you who desire. And we will yep. make sure to do good SEO so that you can find those good resources. And so you were saying like on the 26th or the 20th, you would be... Cardholderseminars.com. You're going to be in Kalispell on the 20th is what you said, right? Yeah, let me get the exact date here. I'm sorry, I don't remember which one's Friday and which one's Saturday off the top of my head, but um, I'm just pulling it up right now. Because this weekend, you'd be in Missoula Saturday the 12th. Yeah, and then... this weekend is Missoula the 12th, uh, 2 to 5.30 at the Staybridge Inn. Okay. And then um, I'm going to have Saturday, May 19th in Bozeman uh, at the Holiday Inn, and then Sunday, May 20th, is going to be a Kalispell at the Red Lion Hotel. What's the site again? And, uh, what's that? What's the site address? It's www.cardholderseminars.com. Oh, seminars.com. Okay, got it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for calling, Chris. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Good yeah, yeah. The Appreciate the out. chance to talk about all this. Yeah, if absolutely. You, if you need something on that Saturday, um, you should let me know. I'm pretty available if you i don't know if you need something right help at the seminar if you need i don't know i i can help out with certain things i'm pretty well spoken and am kind of knowledgeable we got your back yeah I, you know i know a couple things maybe we should podcast the seminar you want to podcast the seminar chris at you, the seminar you want a live podcast yeah. you want to live stream the seminar 
then you can yeah, post that on the well, web. You know, it's, it's, at this point, it's get the get the word out. Well, check this you out. I, I just got my account in for it's hey, interactive. You know, I'm there answering perfect. questions yeah. along the way. I know I can't cover everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's so much. So I kind of respond, and it gets, gets kind of conversational. Uh, but, you know, there'd be value there just to kind of hear what's going on. I've got tips in there for how to deal with law enforcement. Uh, part of this is just don't don't blow your rights, guys. I mean, you got a Fourth Amendment right to uh, freedom from unlawful search and seizure, you know, and that 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 plays into these situations. Law enforcement is trained on how to trick people, um, and so a big chunk of this is how to deal with law enforcement who's trying to get into your business. Cool. Well, uh, you know how to get a hold of us, apparently. So, um, we'll probably <laughs> yeah. see you on May twentieth. Like we I should said, do that. All right. I want to to ask for help, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you later, Chris. Thank you for calling again. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Talk All to right. you later. Later, Chris. Chris Lindsay, MTCIA. <laughs> this site's pretty cool. Cardholderseminars.com. And all the dates are right there. We should do that. That would be a perfect a Google Hangout Google slash Hangout informative. Because yeah. as soon as we hit the stop button, it would that whole thing would go on YouTube yep. on the account. That would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Good trial run for That's, that. Yeah, for That'd sure. Cool. As long as there's internet there. At HD the red cameras. Line? We could. St- Didn't he say the red line? Like this Kavanaugh Center Mall thing? Staybridge, Missoula, or here? Here. Oh, that'd be easier. I was thinking we were going to drive to Missoula and do it. We could drive to Missoula. That's this weekend? Yeah. Saturday? We could. Yeah, we could. We should. We'll think about it. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We yeah, got to wrap this up. I show. hope the two-hour show makes up for us missing the last. Uh, email info at hotboxpodcast.com. Thanks for watching live. Hotboxpodcast.com slash live. Uh, check out the site. Check out the social. And leave a message. 406-204-4687. Ian. Catch you later. If you like you like this is where where you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast.